As a teacher, are you a yeller or a whisperer? Do you think everybody should think exactly the way you do? Are you always verbally sharing your resume with everyone? Well, if you're guilty, I am too. Guys, before we get started, I'm just going to say something that I don't think it'll make you mad because you know I am an official on Monday night. It right now is five May 28, 2021 on a, that's a Friday. To give you an idea of what time frame we're talking about, this past Monday, I umpired the finals of the district softball game in our area. And I'll say congratulations, Clark Moores, first of all. But it was my last game umpiring by choice. Now, do I hate softball? No, man, I love softball. I came to the conclusion that I think I would rather watch it, watch those kids that are so special to me play, than umpire their games. I'll just go ahead and be honest with you. Volleyball has spoiled me, and I don't mean inside versus outside. I I mean in the discipline area. I think baseball and softball coaches now, a lot of times they want to be ejected to kind of motivate their team. So ejections are not doing anything. I wish they had a volleyball system, and you all are out there, you coaches out there laughing at me right now, but... If you had a yellow card and a red card system in baseball and softball, and every time the coach misbehaved, you gave them a yellow card, and when they got two, the other team was awarded with a base runner, I believe that would clean up the game a little bit. I know a coach that coached both volleyball and softball, and he he had coached softball a long time before volleyball, and he said, you know, I found out quick in volleyball that I could not behave the same way I do in softball. So that's all I'm saying. It's kind of a bellyache sport. Coaches are allowed to say too much. Players are allowed to say too much. Umpires are allowed to do too much. So I've decided to retire, and I'm going to do volleyball only, doing volleyball almost every weekend. And when the high school season starts, I'll be back to it probably every other night. So For what it's worth, that's a decision I came to this week. A few weeks back now, as we get into our topic this week, somebody mentioned to me, did you ever notice how many different types of teachers there are? And I thought, man, what a great topic. And I got to thinking, can I fill a whole podcast with that topic? And then I got to writing things down, and I'm thinking, holy cow, I've got... 18 different types of teachers written down. And as I go through this, my intention is not to make any of you feel bad if you fall into this category, because I can guarantee you as we as we're going down through that at one time or another, I fell into this category too. Whether it was my previous job, my current job, I know what I should do a lot of times, but I don't often do it. So that's the type of thing we're going to talk about. I tried to get all these categories organized to help it make sense, and 
I really couldn't. So a part of it might be a little bit disjointed because I'm just going to go down the list as I wrote them down. First of all, the opening, I mentioned, I call them resume teachers. I run into this when I'm officiating too. It's like the officials, they want you to realize how good they are. So they're telling me all the games they officiate, where they've been, how often they work. Well, I don't care. Just just do your thing. Be my friend. And that's all I really care about. There are a lot of resume teachers out there. Got to share your resume in your interview. You got to get your foot in the door. But then just let you be you. You don't have to remind other teachers all the time how great you are, how many degrees you have, how many professional development credits you have. I've had some of them share how many different schools they're teaching at. You know, sometimes I feel like, well, why so many do you keep getting kicked out of all of them? But that's usually not the case. But are you a resume teacher? Do you share everything you've accomplished whenever you come across somebody? You know, to me, that's a little bit of a turnoff. I don't know. Do you ever do it in front of your students? Do you remind them how many degrees you have because you want them to know how great you are? Well, you know, it doesn't do much for the students. They might be impressed. To be honest, I think sometimes it makes them a little bit intimidated. So first of all, practice not being a resume teacher. The next category I wrote down, and guys, this is just life in general. Are you a positive person or a negative person? Now, there are times in my life that I've been much more negative than I am now, Think of it this way. Be honest with yourself. If someone, if you weren't around and someone was asking, what type of teacher is Greg? Is he positive or negative? And you had to pick one or the other. You couldn't say, oh, sometimes he's negative, mostly positive. Do you come across as a positive person or a negative person? Ask your students. What do you think, how do you think they would answer if you ask, are you a positive or a negative teacher? Because positivity, guys, that always makes things better. It will make it better for you personally. The more positive you are, I've met teachers over the last three years just walking down the hallway. You almost are uncomfortable carrying on a conversation with them because you know they're going to have something negative to say about someone. And, you know, let's be honest, if you hear them talking negatively about other teachers, students, whatever it is, all the time, well, guess what they're saying about you when you're not around? It's something negative as well. They dwell on the negative. It's kind of like when you buy a new car and you're all excited and you're sharing it with everybody and somebody comes along and says, oh, I could have gotten you a better deal. Oh, this is a better car than what you bought. That person just gets on your nerves, don't they? So strive towards being a positive teacher. Students will tune out if you're negative all the time. They will talk about you to other teachers if you're negative all the time. I know that for a fact. Students come up to me all the time and talk about other teachers. Now, what I try to do, my strategy there is to have them find the positive in every teacher 
they come in contact with and see, you know, kind of go out of your way to see what you can do to make that teacher more comfortable with you, maybe more positive. Positivity rubs off. If you're positive as to somebody else, they're going to be more positive to you and vice versa on the negative side. The next type of teacher, are you someone that just cannot admit you're wrong? Well, there's things about me that's like that. There's things I don't want to admit I'm wrong about. There's things that I'm very you know, invested in or vested in, however you want to say it, and it's tough for me to admit, admit I'm wrong. I'll say on the other hand, students tell me all the time, Mr. Collins, we don't have to make fun of you. You make fun of yourself all the time. And to me, that kind of loosens things up. I don't want them to think I come across as a teacher who thinks they're right all the time. I have told students before, especially when I'm in high school, I usually, one of my icebreakers comments is to say, guys, there's people in this room right now that I know are smarter than me in a lot of topics. So I'm not going to stand up here and say that I'm never wrong. Challenge me when you think I'm wrong. I'll tell you what I did in one of my class or in all of my classrooms for that matter, when I long-term teach, I keep treats and they know they will get rewarded if they find a mistake I've made. Sometimes I do it on purpose, but most times I don't have to because I might be writing an example on the board. I'll be thinking ahead and maybe write a decimal in the wrong place or the wrong digit. Maybe I'll write 220 instead of 200, something like that. And I want them to call me on it. I have no problem in that scenario admitting that I'm wrong. So I would encourage you to work on that as well, and we'll all be better teachers. Are you one of those that knows when you have a troublemaker child, a troublemaker student, that you put them in the category of once a troublemaker, always a troublemaker? Do you have a hard time giving them a second chance? Do you call them out more quickly than other students that are doing the same thing because they've done it before. Maybe part of that's justified. I mean, if you do it over and over, maybe you should be fussed out a little bit more tightly. But do you ever put your students in a bucket? Do you, when they do something wrong, do you always say, well, that student's always going to do things wrong. I'm never going to give them a second chance. Do we have a hard time with troublemakers? One of the top five episodes is episode 10 of this podcast, and it's titled, Oh No, There's a Troublemaker in My Class Today. So I know it's a popular topic to talk about, and every time I talk about a topic that there's a troublemaker involved, you guys always listen to that more than any others. But let's not pigeonhole our students into thinking just because they've caused trouble once, they're always going to be that way. Sometimes they just need a second chance. Sometimes they just need somebody to say, you're better than that. Let's move on from here and see if we can correct it, okay? Mentioned in the open, yeller and whisperer. There's been so many episodes that I've talked about that. I'm not a yeller. By habit, have I yelled? Yes. In fact, I will mention one student 
that called me out on yelling the in the last couple of weeks of school, and it's a student that is very important to me. They're all important to me, but I always value what this student has to say because she tells it like it is, and she just asked me, Mr. Collins, why did you start yelling? And I'll have to admit, I shouldn't have handled it in that way, and I was glad she called me out on it. She wasn't mad. In fact, you know, we uh, she was one of the students that on the last day of class, we they were playing music the last 15 minutes or so of the last day of school. We were all in the hallway goofing off and dancing to the music, and she was there, and we all had a good time together. So she wasn't holding it against me, but she did call me out on it, and I had no business yelling in that situation. So as a habit, are you a yeller or a whisperer? And, of course, maybe not a whisper. I guess that's just the opposite of yelling. But do your kids think you're a yeller or somebody that's willing to listen all the time and not yell when something's going on? Here's one for you. Would you say your attitude is you're here for the kids or the kids are here for you? Now, let me put that in a more challenging light. If... You have to give up your planning period because kids need you for a certain reason. Are you upset about it? If you are, maybe you think the kids are here for you and not vice versa. So I would challenge you in those thoughts. Are you here for the kids or are the kids here for you? Are you willing to give up everything about them? Got a situation in a, in a, I was once at a school where they didn't want to plan activities because they didn't want to give up their planning period. And it was like the last couple of weeks of school. I didn't know what they could be planning that was more important than actually dealing with the kids that were in there at the time and helping them have a good time and getting getting through the last two weeks of school. So think about that. Are you uh, here for the kids or do you think the kids are here for you? Are you so ingrained on the tools you like to use and the way you like to use them that you're too stubborn to do anything else? Or if the students say to you, Mr. Collins, I'm tired of Kahoot. Can we do something else? Would you be willing to change? Would you change your game plan? I've always heard that the sign of a good coach is to change their game plan, maybe even something that they've used for years, if they realize that the students they're trying to use it on are not ready for that, or they need it taught to them in a different way. Be willing to change your game plan. Don't be so stubborn about what you've always done that you're not willing to change, okay? All right. This is what I'm going to throw in here. Do you appreciate substitute teachers or do you always kind of look down on them? Now, I don't really mean look down like you're saying they're worthless, but do you, in the back of your mind, consider them an underling? Um, do you respect the job they do for you? Do you appreciate them? We want your appreciation. We want to do a good job for you. We want to hear you say every now and then, good job. Uh, you could go ahead and say, well, the fact that I called you back for another day shows you that I think you did a good job, but it's still just kind of good to hear every now and then. 
Students are the same way. Tell them when they do a good job. Don't make it artificial. Don't hand out participation trophies, but tell them when they've done a good job. You know, I had a class this last year that I handed out an award for the math student of the year, but I was very upfront saying, guys, this is one of the most highest average GPA classes. There were so many A's in this class, but even if you didn't get an A, everybody in this class improved their grade from the beginning, and that's a teacher's dream to have that happen. So think about that. Do you appreciate substitute teachers? Do you consider them important in the process? All right, so do you think that you are better than everyone else or everyone is better than you? I don't like either side of that argument. Don't always think that you're better than everyone else. Be willing to say, you know, that is a good idea. Maybe I'll try doing that instead of what I've been doing. On the flip side, don't feel so intimidated that you think everyone is better than you or thinks they're better than you. They don't. The You know, this past year, I got close to a whole lot of teachers, and I really got the impression that even though they knew I was a full-time substitute, they all, you know, a lot of them told me at the end of the school year they're going to miss me because they considered me kind of part of that school family now. And that, you know, that mean, meant a lot to me. Do you ever think that you're better than everyone else? I would say get over it if you do. Do you think everyone is better than you? Well, get over that if you feel that way, okay? All right, we're on the home stretch here. Do you ever make fun of yourself? I just mentioned before. And do you allow students to make fun of you too? Now, it's funny, in my sixth grade class, they did it more so than everybody. I guess the seventh graders, their maturity showed in that matter. They didn't poke a lot of fun at me, but some of them did. And they knew I enjoyed it. They knew my sense of humor was such that it was okay for you to poke fun at me. And they knew if they did, I was going to poke fun at them at time to time. The sixth grade class, a lot of times, would joke around with me. Oh, you probably wrote that down wrong, Mr. Collins, because you're just a substitute teacher. And I thought it was hilarious. They got a big kick out of it. We enjoyed the class together, and we learned together because it was such a good camaraderie, because none of us were so full of ourselves that we couldn't make fun of ourselves, and we couldn't take a joke when somebody was making fun of that. So think about that about your personality. Can you take it if you are joked with, sarcastic humor, not made fun of, but just joked around with? The other podcast that I do with my preacher called The Church Debater and Preacher Mike, we have that type of relationship. We can poke fun at each other all the time, and neither one of us gets our feelings hurt because we know that we're just joking around. Here's another one. Do you always think the worst before you think the best? And that means this. Every situation that comes along, do you always catch yourself, oh, it's going to be so bad, it's going to be so terrible, I think this is what's going to happen? Or are you one that always looks on the, it's kind of like the positive and negative argument, do you always look for the best in everything? 
You know, I my favorite phrase to use for people that seems like anytime I bring something up, they always go to the worst side first. I always ask them, are you into motivational speaking? And they realize that I'm kind of calling them out on it. And they normally laugh when I make that comment because I'm just the opposite. Maybe it's because I'm a little naive to certain things, but I always want to think the best before I think the worst. Okay, now. Let's get into some meaty ones. Do you enjoy handing out demerits more than you enjoy handing out rewards? I hope that's not true. And probably I should say awards. I guess rewards is more of a financial type thing. Award is more of a recognition type thing. But I don't like the school programs that some of which I haven't come across a whole lot, but some of which that just kind of have demerits built in, they might call it a reward system, but because you're punishing through lack of activities and that kind of thing, certain students, well, it's a demerit system too. I'm glad that there's more and more schools that are coming up with award systems rather than demerit systems. Maybe awards Certain students are eligible for prizes that accomplish certain goals. The ones that didn't accomplish goals, well, they still get to go out and enjoy field day and stuff like that. They're just not able to win maybe some of the awards the others. Think of ways that we can emphasize awards rather than demerits, and I think we'll all be better on, better off in the long run. Okay, now just a couple more here. See if you know anybody like this or if you think you're like this. Do you fake being busy? Do you find yourself always showing up late for meetings and you think that makes it look like you're busier than everybody else? When you go to meetings, are you always emailing and smart phoning and those types of things because you feel like it makes you look busier than everybody else? Do you always have a scowl on your face? Like, man, I am so swamped. I wish I wasn't work this hard. I wish I had your job. Well, guys, that doesn't come across very well at all. Get over yourself. Start faking that you're busy. When you're in charge of kids outside, pay attention to the kids outside. Get off your phone. When you're at a meeting, get off your phone. It's time for a meeting. When you're at lunch with your cohorts, with your students, whatever it is, get off your phone. Interact with them. I think there are some teachers out there that just like to do things that show everybody they're busy. There was an old episode of Seinfeld that George was talking about how because of his facial expressions and because of always carrying around a lot of papers, people at his job thought he was very busy and overworked and all that kind of thing. But get over that, okay? And that's basically it. I went through a lot of those. As I was scrolling down through, I realized some, I didn't really write down twice, but I wrote them them down in different ways. So, That's it for this week. Think about how you could improve in the type of teacher you are. If 
I made you squirm a little bit. That's okay, because as I wrote these down, I was squirming too. I realized I was guilty of a lot of these. It's the off-season. Most of us are out of school now. We're not going back for a couple of months. Think about how you can improve yourself as a teacher, even on the non-teaching stuff, even on the interaction stuff. In fact, if you think about the ones I've mentioned today, most of them are about how you interact with others. It wasn't about how you taught the material. So think about ways you can always be positive. Think about thing, ways you can think the best of everyone. Just think about the people right now that you enjoy, or I should say don't enjoy, seeing coming. Well, guess what? Do you ever fall into that category do you ever give people a reason or students, not people or students, but teachers or students a reason to dread seeing you walk down the hallway? If you do, well, there's some improvement that we can all make together.